today on City Cash Chicago. Hey, we can all agree we're struggling. Hey, we're not post-pandemic yet, and we probably won't be for a while. And it's very clear we all still need help. And kids, whether they're little kids or teenagers, they're right there with us and needing it. Honestly, if you see a child that's depressed or a child that's anxious, we're afraid to ask because we're afraid of the answer. So ask, and we'll tell you how. Today is Thursday, May 13th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. First, a little bit of news, y'all. It seems like every day there's some more juice coming out of the tens and thousands of hacked emails from the mayor's office. And the latest shows that CPD started a drone program for counterterrorism and missing persons from the 25 plus million dollars the department sees from citizens last year. The ACLU obviously has issues with the program because they call it invasive. And also CPD never reported how money was spent on the program. Hey, we got much more on the leaked emails in today's newsletter. I'll remind you again, but for now, sign up at chicago.citycast.fm. News you can use. Some people could be eligible for 50 bucks off of the internet bill if they lost money during the pandemic, which is like most of us. It's part of the federal program to keep us connected. Some good news. When Chicago legendary designer and Fat Tiger Workshop owner Joe Fresh partnered with 7-Eleven on 35th East Wacker, yes, 7-Eleven, my man's transformed their logo, store decals, and even shopping baskets, which apparently got stolen. Wow. Well, today at 7-11 p.m., of course, Joe will be dropping the 7-Eleven capsule on his website. Joe, you need to drop by City Cash Chicago with that City Cash Chicago merch. <laughs> if you want to see some pictures of the 7-Eleven transformation, check out our daily newsletter, which again, you can sign up for at chicago.citycast.fm. When I was nine or 10 years old, I remember being at school the day my best friend died. Yeah, we were waiting for classes to start. And he was running around the classroom with one of our classmates. And unfortunately, his heart stopped. Honestly, it was one of the most devastating things any of us had ever experienced. And none of us knew how to move forward. And it wasn't just the kids, but the school, our parents. I remember they brought in a grief counselor for like two hours. And then we basically never talked about it again. This story of kids needing help, I mean, it's not new. All of us could have benefited from more mental health care professionals in our schools, and our kids now also can. So that's where Dr. Judith Allen can help. Allen is with Communities in Schools, which trains adults working in over 175 Chicago public schools. I also want to check in, though. How are you feeling today? How is your day going thus far? I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. A program that you all administer is called Mental Health First Aid. Dr. Allen, what is that? Mental Health First Aid, I want you to think about it like you think of Red Cross and um, First Aid with Red Cross. Identifying when a child is in crisis 
and trying to distinguish between is it an age appropriate, oh, that's just the way 13 year olds are, or if it's a sign or symptom of something greater. On basically creating that safety net for kids so that we can help recognize when a child is depressed or a child is anxious and also train us not to be dismissive, right? I remember when I was a kid, if I told my parents when I was 12 that I was depressed, what would they tell me? They'd be like, you're 12. What do you possibly have to be depressed about? No, nope. I, I hate to put you out there, moms, but uh, that kind of sounds like you too. <laughs> sounds a little bit like you too. <laughs> so we have to kind of address some of those issues very directly, right? And that includes suicide because people don't want to talk about nine-year-olds that are thinking about suicide. Oh, wow. You stopped me right in my tracks there. That was a line that's hard to move on from. A big piece of it is because, honestly, if we see a child that's depressed or a child that's anxious, we're afraid to ask because we're afraid of the answer. Mm -hmm. So this training really kind of gives us the strength to be able to identify, triage, and then possibly de-escalate a crisis situation with a child. What are some of those mental health distress signals that students are giving out that teachers, maybe even myself, are just like missing on the daily? I think one of the things that um, I hear back from a lot of teachers is around sort of the mood and how the mood of a child will change from one minute to the next, right? And we typically know that in adolescence, pubescence, their mood begins to shift, right? They're crying one minute and laughing the next. But when you have a child that really kind of separates from even the things they love to do, so if you have a kid that might be moody, might be angry, but always watches basketball, every night watches basketball, or always plays video games, or always texts their friends, and that does a significant shift away, and they're isolating themselves more, that may not be just a mood. That might be something else that's developing, right? Um, another thing I've heard from parents and teachers, well, more from parents, is when a child will, um, I'm using air quotes, accidentally leave their phone unlocked and text messages or websites up or something on their laptop. Sometimes those are cries for help when they've got stuff there or artwork where they're drawing really dark type of things and they're leaving them out for you to see. That wasn't by accident. Stick around. We'll be back. Hey there. We're not taking ads yet at CityCast Chicago, but we still want to hear from you, always, but especially about some places in the city that you love, that make Chicago what it is, and that make it ours. We got this submission from Amanda Berrios about Transit Tees. It's a gift shop in Wicker Park in Andersonville. And Amanda said that during the quarantine, she and her fiance survived by putting together a thousand piece puzzle based on a map published in 1931 that shows some of the most shocking crimes in Chicago history. If you have a submission, a shout out, a love letter to our city, send it our way. You can email us at chicago at citycast.fm. A caveat, it can't be your business, you can't work there because then it's just an ad, right? These are different. Shout outs, love letters. That's Chicago at citycast.fm. Thanks. I want to take a step back, not to get too personal, but I know uh, that you also have an, an older, you have an mm -hmm. older son. Yes, I have a 22-year-old son who's uh, graduating from college uh, next week. What are you hearing from your son about how the pandemic has impacted his learning and what are some of the type of resources that he might have at away at college. The networking that they have socially is more important than any program, than any office that might be open on campus. It's really being able to connect to your peer group, 
Um, the peer groups are more supportive and more important to children than we can ever imagine. A big piece of learning is that, that social connection, and that actually will save a child's life to be able to connect to another human being. Oh, that you're hitting it right on the head. I mean, I have some young nieces, and I look at how my brother, you know, interacts with his daughters, the questions that he asks them. He He's very... Um, he tries to be very clear when he checks in to really make sure that he's listening and not simply dismissing. And one of the reasons he does that is because I'd imagine, or at least from my perspective, it's getting somewhat easier to have these conversations around mental health and checking in on the nuance of children. Do you think it's easier now to have conversations around mental health? You know what? I think it's, um, it always surfaces when something tragic happens, right? I was in New York um, before, during, and after September 11th, and it was a topic. I was living in Dallas after Hurricane Katrina, and we had a flood of kids that came in from New Orleans, and it was a topic. Um, a few years ago, when school shootings seemed like they were happening every 15 minutes, it became a topic. We need more preventive health care for our kids or mental health for our kids. More of us need to be aware of this on an ongoing basis so that, when, you know, God forbid, another you know, global something happens, we're already ready. This is something that should be built into just sort of the practice of education. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. And you want to know who said, who basically phrased it almost exactly the same way you did, was a mother um, who had lost her child to suicide maybe six months ago, who took the course with us last month. And I remember asking her why she chose to take the course. And she said, because she wanted to pay attention to what she may have missed with her daughter. Wow. What should she have known? And that, you know, she has another child. She has nieces. She has nephews. So it wasn't that she needed to shut down and just forget that it happened. But she felt like, okay, I need to do more. Not out of a sense of guilt, but out of a sense of responsibility to the other children that she was connected mm -hmm. to. The idea that you are normalizing this for all adults. And for many of us who are not granted the same leniency or the same check-ins as kids because like you when I was a kid the response that I was getting like what you got to be sad for you eating you got a roof over your head right. you're going to school right. walk it off exactly yep. do you have any teachers who hear about this program and they think to themselves that's not really my job oh I think the educators have been all over this we're using real crisis situations we're using case studies we're asking for their feedback they're sharing with each other they're also learning from each other, too, in terms of, hey, you know, I had a student where I had this experience and another person will say, yeah, me too. And then we'll notice, OK, that's a trend. Let's talk about how do we deal with that trend. Broadly speaking, you know, looking at the status quo, are schools failing students? Um, I think schools have a huge challenge because when we were kids, if the school called your house because you got in trouble, what was your reaction? You know? Uh, yeah, <laughs> so you're, there would be panic, there'd be silence. You know, I remember walking home and hoping that I would get lost along the way and not make it home. Or we used to have like the, what do you call it? The um, answering machine. I'd get home in time to mm -hmm. take that tape and flip it over. You ever look at the dodo and your mom just standing there in a row with a bonnet on? <laughs> it's like, ain't no voicemails. I'm already here. And I'm just like. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, times have changed. If a teacher tells a student, I'm going to call your parents. 95% of the time, that student's going to say, go ahead, want to use my phone? Parents, there was an expectation that the schools are there to also raise the children. So that, that relationship, it changed. It used to be parents and teachers versus the kids, right? 
um, that that has changed. So to say whether or not the school system is letting down the kids, or I think it's just providing a new challenge for the schools. How do I engage parents? Because every teacher knows, every school counselor knows, everything they do between 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. can be undone between 4.30 and 7.45 the next morning, right? Based on what's going on at home, what's going on in the community, what's going on in their environment. So it's really about how do we get us all to coalesce again? Let's, let's get parents and teachers to be friends again. Have them come into parent-teacher conferences. Be able to call a parent and have a conversation while the child's looking on nervously, wondering what they're talking about, right? That's some of what we need to bring back is that outreach and getting to develop that community around that student. Dr. Judith Allen is the Chief Operating Officer at Communities and Schools of Chicago. Dr. Allen, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's great being here. Hey, before I let you go, where have you been with those weak-ass tapes? Remember, those are the things about Chicago that maybe everyone loves except you. Illuminati. Or maybe it's something we all hate, but you're like, no, it's actually good. Cloud gave by Anish Kapoor. (laughs) Send them to Chicago at CityCast.fm. That's our show for Thursday, May 13th. As always, I appreciate you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Coming live from Carrie's coat closet. Feel the warmth and luxury that you deserve. It's Carrie's closet. <laughs>